Welcome to the new Conductor's Notes podcast featuring David Allen Miller from WMHT.org. David Allen Miller conducts the Albany Symphony and he provides commentary on the WMHT live broadcast. David's commentary is full of fascinating stories about the music, the performances, and more. In order to keep the program mostly music, some of what he provides ends up on the cutting room floor. This podcast contains no music, but it does contain all of David Allen Miller's commentary from the concert broadcast on WMHT Live on WMHT-FM, your classical companion. The Conductor's Notes podcast featuring David Allen Miller's commentary for the Albany Symphony Concert Broadcast is made possible in part by a grant from the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music, supporting nonprofit organizations that have a history of substantial commitment to contemporary music. Our concert began with a special homage to a longtime Albany Symphony member, a member of our viola section named Judy Goberman, who sadly passed away in the year 2004 after a long bout with breast cancer. Judy was a wonderful all-round musician, a great, lively, extremely funny, joyous person who also was for many years a teacher in the Albany Public Schools. And to honor her memory after her death, a big group of Judy's friends, including musicians and people not in the orchestra, got together and uh, raised a great deal of money to honor Judy in a very special way. Uh, what we did was we went out and we bought a beautiful state-of-the-art celesta and named it the Judy Goberman Albany Symphony Celesta in her memory. A celesta is essentially a keyboard glockenspiel, a beautiful little instrument, a very magical one that was first used in orchestra, at least certainly the first known use of it as a solo instrument in orchestra, was by Pyotr Ilyich Tchaikovsky in a little-known ballet he wrote toward the end of his career uh, called The Nutcracker. And uh, Tchaikovsky had been visiting Paris and had heard this magical new instrument that had been developed by a man named Auguste Mustel. And Tchaikovsky was so captivated by the instrument that he had one secretly sent back to Russia and wrote for it in in the ballet as well as in another work. And it made quite a, a splash when that first uh, uh, performance of the Nutcracker took place because it was a sound that most of the audience had never heard. Tchaikovsky had had it secretly sent back to Russia uh, because he didn't want his friends Rimsky-Korsakov or Glinka writing for the instrument before he got a chance to write for it. Anyway, in honor of Judy, the orchestra purchased this beautiful state-of-the-art celesta, a very significant addition to our instrument collection, and an essential one because for years we've been playing on really rotten celestas that don't even sound much like a celesta. So to inaugurate this new instrument and to pay homage to Judy's memory, we had a brilliant friend of the Albany Symphony, Star Norman, the pianist, play this very famous Tchaikovsky excerpt on the celesta to begin our concert. Here it is, The Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy from Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker. This is the Conductor's Notes podcast, only from WMHT-FM, your classical companion, and WMHT.org. Now on to the main portion of our concert. Our concert officially began with Richard Strauss's glorious early tone poem, Tod und Verklärung, or as it's known in English, Death and Transfiguration. This was Strauss's fourth or fifth major orchestral work, depending on how you count them. He'd written a very early work, Aus Italien, a piece about Italy, a big symphonic work. And then he'd written a tone poem based on Macbeth. And then his third big tone poem was called uh, Don Juan. And that, of course, was a, an absolute overnight sensation. It sort of catapulted Strauss at the age of 24, I might add, a very young man, to international fame because Don Juan was such an assured, amazing, virtuosic display of orchestral color as well as a, 
a substantial and substantive, beautiful, beautiful piece of music. The next work after Don Juan was this piece that we're about to play for you on this program, uh, Death and Transfiguration. He wrote this one at the ripe old age of 25, and uh, it is uh, based on a rather overwrought poetic scenario that he and his good friend Alexander Richer, musician and poet, created. And it's all about, dare I say, death and transfiguration, not surprisingly. The poem that Ritter ultimately wrote to accompany the piece, and I must say that it was written after the piece, although I think that Ritter and Strauss really worked together on the scenario of the piece. So the the idea of the poem existed before the piece. The, the poem is actually inscribed in the front page of the conductor's score of uh, of the piece, of Richard Richard Wagner's Death and Transfiguration. And the poem concerns this old man sitting in his little dingy room awaiting death, you know, fitfully sleeping and breathing erratically. And you even hear at the beginning this uh, bum, 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 either his heartbeat or his erratic erratic breathing, as well as these little sighs in the strings, sort of his, his sighing or moaning as he's sleeping. And the whole piece becomes kind of a a musical representation of his remembering his life. Uh, at the opening, it's very soft and beautiful, and, and then it leads to this kind of tempestuous section, which I, I assume describes his illness and the pain that he's suffering as he approaches death. Uh, and then after this first big section of fast, dramatic music, this pain music, again, sort of quiet is restored. And this beautiful extended passage describing really his his, his looking back over his life or forward over his life from early childhood through youth, uh, through young adulthood, love, romance, achievement, arriving at this incredible little thematic fragment, which becomes kind of the the monogram, the the main idea of the entire piece. This da di da dum da 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 dum da di da 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 di da dum, etc. Um, and this little motive that appears at kind of the most crucial moments in the piece is really, as Strauss describes it, the the idea of his ideals of this man having attempted to uh, achieve whatever it was that he hoped to achieve in life, never having quite been able to, until finally, at the end of the piece, again, there's more tempestuous music following this whole recollection section, and finally, a beautiful sense of malarian stasis. Uh, You'll hear in the distance a tam-tam, a gong, and then this beautiful, very major, still, almost pastoral music, which is, in essence, is having traveled from the world of living to the world of, of death. And then in this section, there's this incredible peroration of this ideals theme of it's as if in death he's finally been able to uh, come to terms with whatever he struggled with or achieved what it was he hoped to achieve, this idea of transcendence. And so here now, the complete Strauss tone poem, Death and Transfiguration, played by the Albany Symphony, conducted by me, David Allen Miller. This is the Conductor's Notes podcast. Only from WMHT-FM, your classical companion, and WMHT.org. That was Richard Strauss's Death and Transfiguration, played by the Albany Symphony, conducted by me, David Allen Miller, one of the most sumptuous and hyper-romantic works of the 19th century, an incredible orchestral tour de force for a 25-year-old composer to create. It was really the rather extended overture to this very exciting evening that the Albany Symphony and I spent with the legendary violinist Joshua Bell. Josh very graciously agreed to have us build this evening around him. And so at the end of the program, on the end of the second half, he will perform Mendelssohn's very celebrated, justly celebrated violin concerto, arguably the most famous violin concerto in the repertoire. 
But on the first half, we asked him if he would be willing to play a little something additionally, since it's an evening all about him and built around him. And he very graciously complied with not one but two different pieces. So first we'll hear Josh playing, again, a, a great 19th century tour de force. This is Camille Saint-Saëns' introduction in Rondo Capriccioso, a real uh, a barn burner of a violin virtuoso warhorse. It's followed by two beautiful selections from a suite that Josh commissioned of, of tunes from Leonard Bernstein's West Side Story, arranged specifically sort of a la Heifetz's grand uh, virtuoso utterances and, and Chrysler-type pieces, all those wonderful uh, violin virtuoso uh, war horses that were developed around hit songs of various periods. This one, uh, of course, occupying itself with the music of West Side Story, will hear two songs for violin with orchestra, first Maria and then Tonight. The violinist is Joshua Bell. The orchestra is the Albany Symphony, conducted by me, David Allen Miller. This is the Conductor's Notes podcast, only from WMHT-FM, your classical companion, and WMHT.org. We open the second half of our program with a very exciting world premiere. Of course, the Albany Symphony has a grand tradition of including brand new music on almost every concert we play. We're very proud to have close relationships with a great number of composers, one of whom is the uh, English-born composer Peter Child, who's lived and worked in the Boston area. He's a professor, distinguished professor at MIT of composition. And Peter is one of the orchestra's four Music Alive resident composers. We've had a, a, an incredible three-year residency with four extraordinarily gifted composers who've come and lived lived and worked in our community for great periods of time over this three-year period, one of whom is Peter. And as part of these residencies, these composers have gone into, into classrooms and worked with young people. They've done all sorts of collaborative programs with schools. Uh, and they've also uh, written work specifically for the symphony. And we've also done a great deal of recording as well as part of the residency. This is a residency that's made possible by the Symphony Orchestra League of America, as well as a great advocacy organization called Meet the Composer. Anyway, Peter, as his final orchestral piece as part of his residency, has written an homage to the city of Albany. Uh, when he stays in Albany uh, on his many visits, he stays at that beautiful Morgan State House right on State Street, just along Washington Park, our beautiful Central Park, designed in part by uh, the designer of Central Park in New York City, Frederick Olmsted. And uh, Peter has kind of fallen in love with Washington Park and has wandered through it in, at various seasons on his many visits to Albany. And so what he's written, in essence, is a, a, a celebration of the park. The work is, a, again, a tone poem, not unlike the Strauss, but in three separate movements, each one describing musically uh, a different aspect of the park. The first movement is called Cenotaph. A cenotaph is, I guess, an old English word uh, meaning war monument, and, and this uh, uh, is inspired by the Civil War monument that's in the park, right? I guess the entrance of Henry Johnson Boulevard. And uh, as you'll hear, the first movement is very dark, uh, very um, march-like military music, haunting in a certain way. It's followed by a rather contrasting piece. The middle movement is a, a light, delicate scherzo called Floriade, uh, a celebration of the Tulip Festival, the annual Tulip Festival we have in the park uh, in the springtime when the park is erupting with great jollity and gaiety because of the beautiful tulips coming up out of the ground. And the last movement, Still Lake, is a, a depiction of the beautiful lake uh, in the middle of Washington Park. And it, it has, uh, of course, a great deal of stillness to it, but it features a very prominent cello solo at the beginning and into the middle of the movement, played by our wonderful uh, principal cellist, Susan Libby. 
As Peter described it, this last movement is a depiction of the park. The music around the cello is the is the lake, but the cellist, in essence, is a stand-in for Peter himself. It's as if someone is gazing at the lake and the cellist is having his or her response, personal response to the lake. So here now, Peter Child's brand new tone poem in three movements, Washington Park, movement one, Cenotaph, movement two, Floriad, movement three, Still Lake. The orchestra is the Albany Symphony, conducted by me, David Allen Miller. This is the Conductor's Notes podcast, only from WMHT-FM, your classical companion, and WMHT.org. That was the world premiere performance of Peter Child's tone poem, Washington Park, The orchestra was the Albany Symphony. The final work on our great evening with Josh Bell was none other than that most celebrated of all violin concertos, that of Felix Mendelssohn. It was written for the violin virtuoso Ferdinand David, who was a close friend and colleague of Mendelssohn's. And Mendelssohn worked very, very meticulously on the work, trying to make it as idiomatic for the instrument as he could and collaborating very closely with Mr. David to make sure that the piece sounded wonderfully. The work is in three movements, but interestingly, as are so many of Mendelssohn's works and of works from the early Romantic period, the three movements are in essence, interconnected and played essentially without pause. I mean, there'll be little pauses at various points, but the idea was to make the work a through-composed work rather than three completely separable movements. So, of course, a, a fast, exciting, a passionate first movement, a slow, extraordinarily beautiful second movement with a wonderful little transition passage leading into that brilliant, fairy-like lithe and and ethereal third movement, one of the most brilliant of all violin concerto finales. The first movement is interesting because Mendelssohn actually includes in this movement a written-out violin cadenza. You know, in earlier eras, the soloist was asked to create his or her own cadenza. But by the time Mendelssohn came to write, he really had a strong view of how he wanted his cadenza to go. And so actually working very closely with Mr. David, there's some contention as to whether it's more Mendelssohn or more David, he actually fashioned his own very specific cadenza, specifying exactly which notes the violinist was to play, and put it interestingly earlier in the architectural form of the piece than uh, concerto cadenzas usually fall. They usually fall just at the very, very end uh, of the movement. In this case, Mendelssohn puts it at the end of the development section, the middle section, just before all of the main material returns, making it a, a very different form from most violin concertos. Josh Bell, however, I think was never fully satisfied with the cadenza. I think he always felt it was a little bit too cursory and that uh, he'd like something a little more fanciful. So he created his own, composed his own cadenza, which he will feature on this performance. I think it's a very dramatic and wonderful, equally dazzling cadenza, if not more so than the original Mendelssohn cadenza. So here now to close our concert, our Evening with Joshua Bell program, is Joshua Bell himself with the Albany Symphony and me, David Allen Miller, performing Mendelssohn's much-loved violin concerto. The Conductor's Notes podcast, featuring David Allen Miller's commentary for the Albany Symphony Concert broadcast, is made possible in part by a grant from the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music, supporting nonprofit organizations that have a history of substantial commitment to contemporary music. This is the Conductor's Notes podcast, only from WMHT-FM, your classical companion, and WMHT.org.